Good morning, church. I know it's hard to believe, but this is actually the 12th Sunday now that we have come to you through some sort of a digital electronic device in your home. It still seems odd to show up and not see people here at church, to not see your smiley faces or to greet one another in person. But I want you to know that even though you're gone, we still miss you. You're loved and we can't wait for the time that we come back together. We've been in this series lately called Hope in Strange Times, and we've been focused on how the gospel is especially good news to people during difficult days. Here at Downey First Christian Church, we want to offer help to those who need assistance, and we want to provide hope to those who need a savior. We can offer help in the form of food, or in shelter, or in gas, or in clothing, or even funds, but the reality is those are all temporary fixes. But as a church, we have something more to offer. We have something that's even greater. We have something that will last eternally. We can provide hope in the name of Jesus Christ. But just like any other good news, the only way that will ever make a difference in somebody's life is if they hear it, if they believe it, and if they accept it. And one of the best ways for us to get the gospel news out to people is to go and to share it. But in order to go out, you have to leave where you are at. Honestly, that's the premise behind the message here today. We called it the church has left the building. and want to discuss the idea of going out even when we're not here. Back on March 15th, our church made a decision to shut down the campus and to close our services and our growth groups. And as and, and a result of that, throughout our nation over the course of the next week, we closed up most things. We were given stay-at-home orders. We were told if you're an essential worker, you can go out. And those things have been how we've operated here for the last couple of months. It was done for public health's sake and because to, we wanted to control the outbreak of what was going on. Now here we are three months later, and truthfully, some of the churches in our local area here are just now starting to come out of quarantine. I suspect in talking with some of you that you felt forcibly kicked out of the church. I understand that. But I want to propose to you a different idea. That maybe no matter what the situation was or how it ended up happening, that the church leaving the building was not the end of the church. The church leaving the building is not the end of the world. Let me explain a little bit of that to you. If you go back and look in scripture, the word church always talked about a community of believers, not about a place of worship. Scripturally speaking, the church never talked about wood and nails and, and lights and paint or brick and mortar. It was always talking about people. In fact, church buildings didn't even come into existence for a couple hundred years after the church body had been around. And now, even here in the 21st century, there are many more people globally that meet to gather and worship God outside of a church building than those of us that have the benefit of having a church building. It's always been people, not a place. Now, does that mean that a church is bad? Is it a wrong thing to have? Not at all. I absolutely love our church. I love our facilities. It serves a great purpose for us as we go through ministry. It's a place to worship together, God. It's a place to fellowship with believers. It's a place to minister to others. It's a place that we can grow to be more like Christ. But if you consider the kind of the big purposes of the church, worship and fellowship and ministry and discipleship and evangelism, every single one of those can be accomplished here inside of our church facility. 
But I want to suggest that evangelism not only could take place here in the church, but it can also take place outside of the church. And in fact, I would even say that it might even be more effective outside of the church building. Think about it. Nobody in the New Testament ever accepted Christ inside of a church building. People made faith commitments in jail, in their homes, out in the fields, and on the road. One man came to Christ by sitting in his chariot, and one woman came to Christ standing next to a well. People decided to follow Jesus at their jobs, in their courtyards, and on the mountainsides. Everywhere that believers went, people converted to Christ. The church has been sent by Jesus to go to the unchurched and to share the good news of Scripture with them. That was the standard instruction that Jesus gave to his followers. Listen to a couple of references in Scripture to talk about it. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to his disciples and he said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Mark 16. Jesus said to his followers, Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Jesus also sent out the 12 apostles. Jesus also sent out the 70 or 72 of the multitude, depending on a translation that you may read. The bottom line is that Jesus sent people to go out and to share the good news. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to use that here this morning as we look at the words of the Apostle Paul and as he reveals to us God's secret plan to evangelize everyone. I'm going to be reading this from something called the Message Translation because it has some very specific language that really caught my attention as I was preparing for this weekend. Here's Ephesians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. It reads like this. This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ, having taken up the cause of you so-called outsiders. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everyone. I got the inside story on this from God himself. As you read over what I've written to you, you will be able to see for yourself into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. This is important. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God, I call them outsiders, and those who have heard of him all their lives, I call them insiders, they both now stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same priorities, because of Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everybody across the board. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this good news message. It came as a sheer gift to me, the Apostle Paul said, as a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the good news message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. But God saw to it that I was equipped. And you can be sure that he, you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God, who created all of this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus, like yourself, gathered in churches, 
This extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said and bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. The Apostle Paul is writing from prison because he had been preaching to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, to people like most all of us. That is good news. That's why we know the gospel now. But Paul is writing to people and he tells a story that I heard, but as I read through there, I hope you caught a couple phrases that, that, that reached out and touched me as I prepared this. The concepts were really about insiders and outsiders. And I want to use that a little bit here today. If you look back at this passage, I want to mention three big concepts that I found in there as to biblical reasons for us to go and to evangelize inside and outside of our church building. The first one is this. God has specific roles for us. God's plan has a role in each one of us. Listen again to verses 2 and 3. Paul said, No doubt you already know that God has given me the special work of showing his favor to you Gentiles. God himself showed me his secret plan. Now, honestly, there's a fine line sometimes between arrogance and confidence. But, but I know through reading through Scripture and looking at other parts of Paul's writings and, and pulling them apart and examining them, Paul is not being arrogant. Paul is very much being confident in the fact that God has given him this ability. I'm not sure if you already know this or not, but according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit has gifted each one of us individually to be a benefit collectively to the body of Christ. When we all come together and bring what we have into the same place, we can all accomplish the same goal because of what God has done, what the Holy Spirit has given to us. Think about a Billy Graham revival or maybe even a Great Glory Harvest Crusade. We hear numbers all the time about the amount of people that came down and, and that these men won to Christ. But those two evangelists would tell you that they didn't win tens or maybe even hundreds of thousands of people to Christ all on their own. Someone had to advertise that revival. Someone had to invite people to the crusades. Someone had to provide transportation. Someone had to pay the bills. Someone had to direct traffic. Someone had to set up, tear down, seat people, and provide security. Someone had to sing, tell a testimony, pray for folks, and counsel and answer questions. Billy and Greg shared the gospel message. That was their part. But many other people were involved in the salvation process. I tell you all that because as we can see, many people using their separate gifts is what brought it together for this agreed upon outcome. That's the true definition of teamwork. So that leads me to an important question that I want you to consider just here today. While you're sitting at home watching this message, I just want you to know, do you know specifically what the gifts are that Holy Spirit has gifted you to benefit the church and the unchurched. I know some of you may already know that. Maybe you've already done this uh, experience once before, but maybe others of you have never thought about that concept previously. If that's the case, I want you to know that we have a wonderful uh, online assessment that helps people discover what the gifts are that have been given to them. Because when we know what it is that the Holy Spirit has given to us individually, we can go and to serve and be more effective 
We can go and serve the body of Christ and do it with a smile on our face. If you're interested in this survey, I want to encourage you to reach out to the church or send me a message or call me at church here and just tell me you want to know more about it and I'll make sure it gets into your hands. So that was the first big concept. God's plan has specific roles. The second one is God's plan includes everybody. It includes everyone. God intends for believers to go and to leave no stone unturned as we share the gospel in our world. The idea is to go everywhere and to tell everyone because we never know who might be ready for the blessing of joining God's family. We don't know who God's been talking to and who God's been priming and prepping for somebody just to come and tell the good news. That's what we've been asked to do. Look again at verse 6. From the New Living Translation, it says this. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they both belong to Christ Jesus. One of the main reasons why Paul was so emphatic about explaining this concept in his writings is because it was widely believed at that time that anybody that was not a Jew, so somebody who was a Gentile, they were a spiritual outsider. That was the concept that people had in their minds. And even if they did somehow come to know Christ and come to God, they had to also become a ceremonial Jew. But, but Jesus took care of that. Jesus wiped that out. Scripture says that is no longer the case. Because here's why. The gospel message is all-inclusive. It tells us that there are no longer people who must remain as outsiders in the spiritual world. Everyone who wants to can come directly to God through Christ Jesus. We need to remember, God puts a desire for God into the hearts of humanity. But it's up to the church. It's us to us up to us as believers to go and to share the good news with other people. Now, apply this biblical principle to the unchurched here today in our area. Just because sinners have been on the outside of church doesn't mean that's where God wants them to remain. He wants them to come inside. He wants outsiders to become insiders and join his eternal family. Listen, the church needs to see everybody as a potential Christ follower. Church is not exclusive. Church was meant to be inclusive of everyone. Nobody needs to remain on the outside. Everyone is invited to the inside to receive God's grace, mercy, and love. Last part I want to mention to you is when we talk about God's plan, just have confidence in God's plan. God put it together. I'm pretty certain it's going to work just the way God designed. In fact, I know for a fact that it will. Some Christ followers mistakenly believe that they're not good enough to tell people about a Savior, or they're not uh, knowledgeable enough to share from the Bible, or that they're not influ influential enough to change somebody's thought or to impact another person's life. Even the great apostle questioned that. He had a checkered past, as many of us know, but listen to what it is that he wrote. In Ephesians chapter 3, again, verse 8, Paul said, I am less than the least of all God's people. Yet God gave me the privilege of taking to the Gentiles the good news about the infinite riches of Christ. Paul was not 
full of self-confidence. Rather, he was filled with God's confidence. Paul did not commission himself for this job. God commissioned him for this great task that he took on. And as a reminder of what that task is for Paul and as a reminder of what that task is for even us now in the 21st century, I want you to just listen to these words of an anonymous author that I found. They wrote a sentimental poem called Insiders and Outsiders. Here's what the poem says. Church was a building. I was an outsider looking in. And a perception was formed and developed deep within that church was a place for the worthy and I did not belong. It took an insider to reach me as an outsider to show me I had it all wrong. God's love has no exceptions. That's the biblical good news. God loves the helpless and the hopeless, not just those sitting in church pews. I refuse to believe that God's love can be earned because it wouldn't be the gospel if it was something we deserved. Insiders and outsiders, all are welcome at God's table. Not because we are worthy, but because God is able. And because God is able, a beautiful cycle begins where outsiders become insiders who welcome other outsiders in. Look, when I read that and when I still read it to you right now, I understand the importance of my job and I realize the, the urgency and the command of Scripture to go and to share because that's what we've been asked to do. Now, I know that, unfortunately, many times as believers, we keep the good news to ourselves. Not because we want to or not because uh, we just don't want this to open up to anybody else. I just, I don't think we ever intend to be selfish about it. But the truth is, when we're silent in our words and our deeds, we're not sharing the gospel message that offers hope to people who are hurting. And I know that God wants everyone to experience and to enjoy his love, his grace, his mercy, his peace, and his forgiveness. God wants us to share this message to help convert outsiders into insiders. Now, I'm going to stop there. That's a whole lot of information about going and sharing. But it's things that I wanted to bring up out of the text. But the question has to pop into mine and maybe into yours. That sounds good, but, but what happens when maybe those outsiders, the unchurched, what happens when they actually come to us here at the church? You tell us to go out, but what happens when they actually just show up in our facilities? I would say that's a good question. <laughs> back in the old days, back during the pre-pandemic period here at DFCC, there were three specific things that our church would do every week to welcome new people that set foot on our campus. We want to encourage them to explore church and to experience God. Here's the three things that we did every week. We encouraged people to put a name badge on, a name tag, so that we knew who you are, so we could greet one another with one of our most important possessions, which is our name. Number two, we recognized our guests during the worship time by just a huge cheer and a round of applause to let them know that we were so thankful that they chose to be with us on that Sunday morning. And number three, we attempted to briefly connect with guests following each service so that we could encourage them to come back again and attend our growth track so that they could learn out more about God and about our faith and about what makes DFCC such a great place. Those are what we did when we were open, when our facilities uh, had people coming into it. 
But admittedly, those are kind of tough to do right now in this type of a venue. So I've tweaked them a little bit, and I want to share three things for us that we can still do that will help in this case here. One of them is forget the name tags. I'm pretty certain you know who you are living with at this point in time, so you don't have to put that on to share your name. But instead of wearing your name, I want to ask you to please sign in with your name. I want you to join our virtual foyer before the service on YouTube. You could log in if you want, 10, 15, 20 minutes early, and just begin chatting with people that you haven't talked to in a long time. If you will just turn that on, you'll be able to talk with people up until the time the service starts and just let them know that it's glad to talk or you're happy to talk with them even if you can't see them in person. Number two, if you are watching this and you are new to our church, I want to encourage you to let us know that you're watching us today. I want to ask you, if you would, to look below down at the link and just go ahead and click on the a phrase or a word there that says guest connect. And when you get into that, it's just going to let us know who you are. If you'll give us some basic information, we promise that we will get back a hold of you because we want to uh, connect with you and begin to develop a more personal relationship than just you watching a video. And number three, if you're one of our guests today, or if you've been attending DFCC for a while, but you really haven't gotten plugged in beyond just sitting here on Sunday morning, I want to invite you to join me for something we call Growth Track. We're going to run it again in the month of June. We're going to run it every Sunday, except on Father's Day. We'll take that time off. But we'll run it every Sunday in June from 1230 to 130. And it's an online way for us to share about what's going on here at church. If you're interested in that, I want you again to click on the link below. But it's a place for you to learn about our faith, to meet new people, and again, to find out what makes DFCC such a great place. So there's ways for us to still stay connected. And for people, when they come to us, so we can still share about the good news of Scripture. Now, why does DFCC do all these things for our guests and in our community? Because God paid a huge price for us through the death of His Son, for all of us, for all of humanity, in order to redeem us. And the result of the gospel is that there is hope for outsiders to become insiders. That's why we keep doing and saying and preaching and offering the things that we do here at this church. Listen, the church may have left the building, but that's not the end of the world. Admittedly, at Downey First Christian Church, we are accustomed to doing many of the important functions of our faith at our facilities here in the corner of 4th and New Street. But the reality is worship and fellowship and ministry and discipleship and evangelism do not require a church building in order to happen. And part of what we've discussed today is the idea that evangelism can actually maybe even be more effective outside of our facilities. And the reason I say all that is to be an encouragement to you because we are family and we want to do what we can to proclaim the word of Christ in our neighborhood. I truly miss gathering on Sundays and being together during these other functions I just mentioned. However, even while we are not in the church, we can still be the church. The church doors may have closed, but our church has not closed. The facility may not be open, but the good news message can still be proclaimed. So, how can you be the church from where you are at, at home? Number one, maybe participate in worship services. Connect with others through online growth groups. Minister to the needs of those closest to you. Use the weekly journal that's sent to your house to strengthen your faith. Share our church broadcast 
our website, and our resources with your family, with your friends, and with the neighbors right around you. That way, when the time comes for us to re-enter the building, it will simply be a return to campus celebration for us, not a reopening of the church. Because again, the church has never closed. My prayer during our remaining time away from this facility, away from these buildings, is that each one of us can somehow share the good news message of God's love with others, which is the ultimate hope people need to hear during these strange times. We you bow your head? Allow me to pray, and then I have one more thing to say. Heavenly Father, right now, at this very moment, I want to thank you for this time that we've had today to listen and to learn from your word. I pray that as we heard this message, something stirred in us, and as a result, our words and our deeds will be impacted in a positive way. Please help us, Father, to remember the biblical concept of evangelism so that others may hear about the ultimate hope that only comes from you. We pray all these things in the name of your one and only Son, Jesus. Amen.